Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Friends, our second scripture reading for today comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. If you would like to follow along in your pew Bible, or if you're at home, a Bible of your own choosing, or as it's shown for you up on the screen. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. We arrive today in our reading at another mountaintop, and we're presented with a display of radiant light. As we ourselves look forward to the newness of life that light brings, though Perhaps it doesn't feel that way this winter. We look forward to the newness that warmer weather, that spring brings. We are reminded of the power of God's transforming glory. In the bleakness of dull gray winter days, in the disquieting encounters we seek during Lent, the story of Jesus' transfiguration serves as a starting place, a starting place and an end for the continuous cycle of our own transfiguration. What do we pray to let go of as we enter this season of Lent that starts this Ash Wednesday? What do we hope, what do we hope for? What do we hope we will come out with? Is it a renewed spirit? What is it that we hope to preserve and carry with us as we come down the mountain after having experienced this moment with God? If you remember any previous sermons where I've talked about the transfiguration of Jesus, you might know that I like to give Peter a hard time. I talk about Peter as being sort of this great example for us in terms of He dedicated his life to Jesus, but Peter was also very human. And it's not just me who gives Peter a hard time, it's many other preachers as well. 
It's easy to jump on the bandwagon to say that, you know, what was Peter saying? Wanting to build this place to preserve the light of Jesus on a mountaintop. What was he thinking? Because, of course, Jesus was the light that came to spread throughout the world. Yet what if there's truth to Peter's desire to acknowledge what he witnessed? Jesus, after all, doesn't rebuke Peter this time around. We hear Peter's desire to build three tents, three dwelling places, three tabernacles. And Jesus doesn't say anything. So what should we take away from Peter's gesture towards Jesus as we prepare to embark on our own spiritual pilgrimage? I believe that as Peter witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus, he realized how much of the mundane, how much of the in-between of life, how much pettiness of life he was holding on to in his heart. After all, Peter was a fisherman. It wasn't a spectacular living, but it provided for his family. He had an income, he had means, he had food to put on the table. But now he lives his life depending on handouts, depending on charity, following this teacher, this rabbi. Peter as well. Maybe he wasn't even sure that what he was doing made any sense. Maybe Jesus himself wasn't even sure if Jesus was the real deal until this moment. When up on the mountaintop, he sees Moses and Elijah, these great figures from his own heritage, his own faith, standing next to Jesus, talking with him. Perhaps seeing this moment of transfiguration of Jesus, Peter realized just how much he needed to let go of in his heart. Like Peter, unfortunately, we tend to hold on to a lot of baggage that we should have let go of a long time ago. We hold on to memories of being slighted. We hold on to memories of being hurt. We hold on to days of past glory. We hold on to jealousy and rancor, all while professing to worship a God who shows us the power of transformation. Perhaps Jesus, perhaps Peter at that moment, realized that there were things he needed to let go of in order to transform his own heart. When presented with the gleaming, the radiant light of God. For ourselves, as we encounter this text, as we encounter this story, what is exposed in our own hearts when we allow the light of God to reveal what's inside? When that light of God shows us the things we need to let go of in order to transform. One of the early Christian theologians, Irenaeus, 
once said that the glory of God is the one who is living. So what does it look like for us, for the glory of God, to be in us? Because if we are holding on to things that are just eating away at the inside of our hearts, I don't know how much transformation can take place. Because if our lives do not reflect the glory, the radically transformative glory of God, then what's holding us back? We can't try to engineer a solution that creates shortcuts or bypasses, or we can't create justification as to why we need hold to hold on to these things. We can't ignore the plank in our own eye and obsess over the speck that is in someone else's. Because a light is now standing right before us unveiling what needs changing in our hearts before we begin to even concern ourselves with what's going on in our neighbor. As we are presented with this God moment Peter has up on the mountain, and as we ask ourselves about how we can change by letting go of things that keep the Spirit of God from enacting change. We ask ourselves this same question as a community of faith, a fellowship of people, of disciples who make up the church. Because now is the time to look at Jesus, who stands before us with a sense of awe. It's not time for us to remember the glory days, when Sunday school classrooms were full, when attendance was higher, and so on and so forth, because Quite honestly, what does any of that have to do with our spiritual lives now? None of those things are relevant to the work that Jesus calls us to do as disciples now. There are hungry people, there are hurting people, there are people who are still exposed to hate because of who they are. And here we are, with the audacity to think that the glory days we hold on to is something that would be pleasing before the eyes of God. For we know, friends, that God calls us to embark on this season of transformation a call for something new. The ways in which we meet the needs, the hearts, the people, right here and now. You know, Peter, we hear in the text for this morning, talks about the, the tents he wants to build for Jesus, for Elijah, for Moses. Depending on what translation you use, Peter also is said to have wanting to build a tabernacle for them. This dwelling place, this sacred space where worship takes place. Friends, we are a living tabernacle. We are a living embodiment of a space for worship 
in our lives and how we cultivate our faith, we are a living tabernacle. And as living vessels that carry within us the light, the love of God, wherever we go, as we come down from the mountaintop, we bring with us the light of God. May we be challenged, friends, this Lenten season by the words, the teachings of Jesus, so that by the time we come out of our time of introspection, of meditation, we are ready to tackle the hard work Jesus requires of us, and that we may be disciples who the light of God has transformed. Not because we are, because we are not people of a place, of any one place, of any one time, but we are people who have been called to live in the kingdom of God. So how, friends, as this on this day, as we remember the story of the transfiguration, as we prepare for lunch, how are you going to let your lives be a reflection of the life-altering, the life-changing love of God? How will you cultivate this season of lunch your curiosity for God's Word? How will you let it shine in your heart and process what it says? How will you demonstrate the love of God this Lenten season? A lot, a light that, like God's love, penetrates the dark and hidden places and brings healing. How will you be generous with your time and service to God, to your neighbors, and to yourself? How will you spend this time coming down the mountain, the time in the wilderness? with a commitment to follow God more closely? And how, after longing for transformation, will you let God mold your heart? As Jesus converses with Moses and Elijah, we are reminded that as we ask ourselves these questions before our Lenten journey, that we are not asking these questions within an isolated bubble that we ask them as a community, as people of faith who are looking for something more, who are looking for satisfaction that goes beyond a gain of earthly treasures. Moses and Elijah, in their conversation, as we see this morning, we join them as living prophets and disciples of today who stand in awe, who stand in silence, who stand perhaps in front of this glory of God with words that are incomprehensible, listening to where God is calling us to go. So as we prepare to depart on our Lenten journey, let us listen and discern so that our hearts might become ever more in tune with the heart of God. For if we live like this, if we are willing to take on this hard, this holy, this sacred work, and it's something we are willing to ask of ourselves if we are willing to embark on, 
we'll discover what it means to be a reflection of the light that comes from God. For we, like many others, gaze with awe at how we might actually live when we let the light and love of God transform us. For it is a source of strength, a source of strength we will require as we embark on this Lenten journey, a source of comfort for when seasons of change appear, perhaps seemingly out of nowhere. Let us discern and pray as to how we can enable moments of transfiguration to happen in our daily lives so that they might reveal the pathway for a renewed sense of identity and purpose. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.